From realghoststoriesonline.com, this is Real Ghost Stories Online, the podcast. Johnny Bruski joining you this evening. Johnny Bruski has the night off. Thank you so much for joining us. We do greatly appreciate it. If you're not a subscriber yet, make sure you press the subscribe button on whatever platform it is you are listening to us through. That helps us out quite a bit as far as growing the show, letting other folks know about it. So if you like it, please press subscribe. Another thing to do if you like the show and you listen to us on a uh, frequent basis is to become an EPP. It's an extra podcast person. We get you an extra podcast every single week. We email that exclusively to our EPP members. It's a little thank you for supporting the show. An EPP is someone who uh, donates $5 a month or 10 or 15 It's completely up to you. Whatever you feel the show is worth and uh, helps keep the show alive, essentially. Covers our costs of making this show for you uh, almost every single day here. So please become an EPP if you're not one already. Help support the show. Get the extra episode. And uh, you can continue joy- enjoying uh, Real Ghost Stories Online for many, 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 many moons to come. Because we love producing it for you. And I can only see this thing a-growing. So thank you so much. If you already are an EPP. On today's episode, calls, stories, good stuff, and we're going to get right into it, since I have no one to banter with this evening. (laughs) Hey, trust me, her going to school and getting the education and the psychology background will help the show, so I think we'll we'll take the... uh, the small sacrifices right now of a couple episodes here and there where she's not able to join us. It does feel weird, though, without her, but uh, it's all for the good. you got to look at look at the big picture of everything, right? And in the meantime, you'll get some good ghost stories tonight. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call. And if you have a real ghost story <clears throat> excuse me, that you would like to share with us, I'm going to go to the call and take a sip of water. Hi, you're on the air. Hi guys, this is Nick, and I'm from Lewisburg, Tennessee, and I just want to tell you that I love the show. I just started listening to it. I usually listen to it at work with the last couple of hours, and it's an awesome show, and I love it, and thank you guys for doing what you're doing, and I just want to say in advance, I'm sorry for my accent. I am from the South, but anyways, here we go. So, I grew up on a street called Haines Street here in Lewisburg, Tennessee, and I lived there all my life. We pretty much moved from house to house till we finally ended up in this brick house that had an upstairs and a downstairs. And we absolutely loved it. And I can't remember exactly what age I was. I believe I was 16 to 17, somewhere around in there. This was this has been years. So um, when we moved in, it, it was great. The house was just awesome. I had my own door that went outside in my bedroom and had like a little porch that I could sit at. But anyways, this house that we moved into, I remember when we first moved in, my mother had told me she had actually lived across the street and she could remember it being an old mental house. So some of the mental people here in this town used to live there. And she would always tell me about how there was this guy that would sit in the in the living room in the main in front of the main window in a rocking chair and he would just rock back and forth and this was the main story my mom always told my sister and I about well at first the house it 
little things started happening, noises, knocks, things from mainly upstairs. Well, it, it progressed later on when we when we had been there long enough. Finally, like it had, we'd start hearing noises, like it would be somebody running from one side of the upstairs to the other. Now, the upstairs was my stepsister's room, which they split it, but they were only there every other weekend, so there was nobody up there. So after that started happening, pretty much the noises and stuff would only happen when my parents were not there. So when we would get so scared, of course, our parents wouldn't believe us. And that was more frightening because we were facing these events by ourselves and nobody, you know, nobody was there to help us with it. So it kept happening every day, every, like, night time, at night, every, every night, it would happen. Well, one night I was on the phone with, with a friend and I was by myself in the house and I walked out of my bedroom and I heard it in the house, somebody say, Nick. Now, this was the most frightening thing that had happened to me at the time. And I freaked out and asked the person I was talking to, did you just say my name? And they didn't, they said no. So I immediately got off the phone and locked myself in the bedroom. Well, a few months later, I had a friend that stayed the night with me. Now, in our dining room, was the computer. Now, we would stay up late and do whatever on the computer. It was mostly computer games all night long. Well, in the dining room was also the door which led up to the upstairs to my stepsister's room. Well, we were sitting at the computer one night, and the door to the upstairs just opened as slow as it could, and it was just like from a horror movie the creaking and everything. We turn back and look, and I can remember to this day exactly how it looked. There was a set of legs hanging from in the middle of the doorway. There was a set of rails that went at the top of the steps, and I'm guessing that's where they were hanging from. I don't know. I freaked out. We slammed the door and went to my room. Well, a few hours later, my mom got home, and of course, you know, she didn't believe us. So I remember that night we were talking about it and we finally went to sleep. And I had my own air conditioning unit in my room, in like a window unit. And I usually left it on like 72 or 71. It was pretty comfortable. Well, my friend woke up during the middle of the night and was like, he told me I needed to cut it off. It was cold. And I said, that's fine. So... And I, and I need to add this, too, about my bedroom. I had a way that I locked my door from the inside that you couldn't get in the bedroom from the rest of the house. It was a certain way that I had to hold the door and close it, and it was locked. Well, my friend woke up during the night. My bedroom door is wide open, and breath is just pouring out of his mouth. And he said it was the coldest he has ever felt at any time and this was during the summer and he immediately freaked out called his mom and left then he never came back to my house well and then 
I don't think it was too much longer after that my mom and stepdad actually bought a home. We moved out. A week later, the house actually caught on fire from the basement, and no one was living there. So that's kind of, it, I don't know, like, if that, it's just freaky to me. But that's my story, and if, you know, anybody can tell me what they think about it, I would love to hear it. Thanks. Thank you for calling in and sharing your story with us. We do greatly appreciate that. If you'd like to comment on his story, please do so on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And I uh, just uh, go right uh, below the uh, the story there, right below the show. And you can comment uh, through the, uh, the Facebook uh, comments section. Or, of course, you can bring it up on the forum as well and, uh, and talk about it there. Um, very interesting um, situation. I've been hearing a lot of stories lately. I don't know why, where it turns out where the house has something dark going on in it or with it, and then shortly thereafter it gets destroyed, usually by a fire of some sort. We had one the other week where an apartment uh, was uh, set on fire or started on fire uh, shortly after some folks left it. I don't know. It, what's really interesting to me about that is, is uh, are, are the entities trying to destroy the environment and the habitat that, that they're essentially encased in? Is that something they want to do? Or is is there something else causing those sort of things to happen? And, um, you know, and it's beyond their control. Oops, that, that, did the entity knock over the candle, essentially, on accident? You know, or whatever the case may be. I don't know, it's, it's, it's very puzzling to me, because I would think, my gut would say that they'd want to keep their environment intact so they could continue to be there. Um, but maybe that's a way of, of them escaping. Maybe all the energy that that occurs and, and essentially erupts in a fire or something of that sort helps them strengthen or move on or move to another place. I don't know. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online and share your real ghost story with us. We would absolutely love to hear it. Of course, you can always write into us as well through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's go to a letter. This comes to us from Joyce. Joyce writes, sleepwalking. I'd like to share with you some information on the condition I have Uh, about sleepwalking. Uh, She says she suffered with it her entire life. I have a wealth of stories to share about it, but one in particular, I think it explains the problem sleepwalkers face. I was living in Kentucky when I began to wake up in the mornings to discover that things had changed in the apartment. For instance, one morning I woke up to find all my plates, cups, and glasses in the dishwasher. Another morning, I found a chair in my living room had been moved to the other side of the room. My first thought, being the person I am, was that I had a ghost. However, many years ago, I lived in a haunted house complete with a cold spot in the living room and a hand that liked to reach out from under the basement stairs to grab our ankles. But that's a story for another time. During that time, I found it very interesting that I could do a load of laundry, leave the basket of clean clothes unfolded on the couch, and the next morning they would all be folded. I considered myself the luckiest woman on earth. I had a ghost who did my laundry. But... One night, when my husband got up to go to the bathroom, he found me in the living room folding the clothes myself. It's easy to tell when I am sleepwalking because, though my eyes are open, they have a completely unfocused, glazed-over appearance. One look at me told my husband I was sleeping. So, okay, I wasn't the luckiest woman on earth. I did have a helpful ghost 
So back to Kentucky. This is what makes sleepwalking more than a little dangerous. I woke up one morning and went early riser, took a load of clothes down to the community laundry room to do before I had to go to work. I returned to the laundry room two more times, once to put the clothes in the dryer and once to bring them back after they were dry. The laundry room was in a different building in the complex, so I had to go outside, walk past my truck each time. Between my second and third visits, I went to check my cell phone and couldn't find it. My roommate was a truck driver and I was expecting him to come into town any minute, so I was expecting at least for him to text me. I searched the entire apartment but could not find my phone. On my last trip to the laundry room, I passed my truck and heard my phone ringing inside the truck. I quickly opened the truck and got my phone out and proceeded back to my apartment, disgusted with myself for having left my phone out in the truck all night. Then I remembered I had fallen asleep while talking with my cousin on the phone the night before. I had not left my cell phone in the truck. I then searched for my keys and found them not on the hook by the door where I normally keep them, but in the soap dish in the bathroom. Feel free to laugh here. I suddenly realized that my truck had not been locked when I got my phone out, completely out of character for me. Furthermore, when I got in the truck to go to work, I discovered I had left the moonroof open. I never opened the moonroof because it was summer and too hot to to have it open with the air on. From years of experience, I knew I had been sleepwalking. Furthermore, now I was very possibly sleep driving. That is extremely dangerous. Once I realized what I was doing, I began to put my truck keys in a different place every night so that my subconscious mind would not automatically go to where they should be. I don't know that it works, but at least I found no further evidence that I might be sleep driving. I can tell you that people have done some crazy things while sleeping, including committing murder. I can also tell you that this uh, situation and this diagnosis generally occurs in adults during times of deep stress or emotional distress. For instance, at that time, my brother was back here in Illinois in the Quad Cities dying of cancer. I was unable to be with him due to distance, and that was deeply upsetting. At the time that my ghost was folding my laundry I had just been laid off from my job. More recently, I've gone through a serious breakup from a long-term relationship. A few weeks after I moved into my own apartment, I lost two rolls of toilet paper. What I did with them, God only knows. Please speculate amongst yourselves. I do, however, know that I had to have done something with them because who would break into steal two rolls of toilet paper? When I listen to your show and hear people talk about things that happened in the night, I often have to ask myself, do they actually have ghosts? Or are they just sleepwalkers? I have to go now. I hid my keys last night and I haven't found them yet. Keep up the good work. I've enjoyed listening to your show. Thank you so much for that letter and for writing in and sharing your story with us. Although it doesn't have anything to do with ghosts, um, it, it does have a lot to do with maybe connecting some dots and opening up another possibility or situation for us to think about when we do have calls and stories that uh, could be explained that way. At least it's another thing to think about, uh, to add to the list of carbon monoxide, if you will, which we go to sometimes when it sounds like, eh, this could be a carbon monoxide leak. Um, Very interesting story, and thank God you didn't drive anywhere, at least that you know of. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in. 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost stories with us. That's what we do here. Every single night at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to another call. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, guys. My name's uh, Richard. I go by Richard from Kansas on your forums. I just sent you a picture of the what I call the cigarette ghost. Uh, at any rate, I, I do believe in the paranormal. I do like to bunk 
debunk it as well. But uh, here's my first real, well, it's not my first, but let's just start at the beginning here. Uh, for about the last 12 and a half, 13 years, up until about a year ago, I was a corrections officer at the local prison down here. I live in the small town of Winfield, just south of you guys. Uh, Winfield Correctional Facility used to be a state-run hospital for close to, well, well over 100 years. So it's got plenty of ghost stories surrounding it. They still use a lot of the original buildings and things of that nature. Uh, about, I had been working there about a year, and at that time I was the nighttime patrol officer, so basically I just had to walk and drive around the facility perimeter, go through the old buildings, which at that time a lot of them were still abandoned and not in use. Um, one in particular was called the uh, admin building, the old admin building at the time fallen down on the inside. I never liked going in there anyway. It's dark. There's no electricity. You know, ceilings are falling down, but we had to check because at that time, people still like to sneak in and hang out in the buildings, teenagers, you know, things of that nature. Winfield is a minimum security prison, so it doesn't have a wall or things of that nature. At any rate, uh, I made my way down to the old admin building and went through the process of checking everything with my flashlight and I had already been, had the crap stared out of me before in there. Someone at one time had thought it was a good idea to have a full length mirror inside a closet in an office, which I discovered with my flashlight and scared the hell out of myself with my own reflection. So I was always a little jumpy going in there anyway. There's a large grand staircase that would go, it still does go from the first floor to the second. And I took my way up the staircase to the second floor and went through the process of looking through the dark building and things of that nature and, you know, didn't really see anything. And I stepped back out onto the landing on the second floor on the big staircase. And there's a, a door between this, you know, leading from the staircase into the hallway on the second floor. I closed the door behind me. I turned around, took out my notepad just to write down the times and that I hadn't seen anything up there, anyone for that matter. And as I'm looking at my notepad out of the corner of my eye, it was like a, just like a quick flash of movement like toward me. And at the same instant, there was a loud boom as if someone like, you know, a 200 pound person leapt into the air and then landed on the floor right next to me. I mean, it literally shook the floor. I felt the vibrations in my feet. And I always like to say they have that saying about blind panic, and I felt it at that moment. Uh, it was like my brain sorted out. I just remember the flash out of the core of my eye, like somebody moving toward me quickly, the boom at my feet, and I literally leapt off the balcony down to the first floor in one jump, kind of smashed into the wall at the bottom, then kind of got to my feet and realized kind of what had just happened. And I'm like, well, what in the hell was that? I, I turned around, didn't see anything. I remember in a quavering voice saying, uh, is anybody up there? Not getting an answer. <laughs> I wasn't finished with my check of the building. There was two more floor or one more floor. 
I had to call another officer in, and he had to walk through the building with me to make sure. I was out of my mind at that point. At any rate, uh, like I said, that, that is my first story at Winfield Correctional Facility anyway. I do have another one that's a lot more involved, and I kind of brought on myself. I went out looking for it at that point, but I'll save that for another call sometime in the future. It took me a while to get up the nerve to call for this one. At any rate, thanks, guys, for the great podcast. I listen to you guys every day at work to get through the day, and uh, I'll be calling in later. Thank you. Thanks for sharing the story. We really greatly appreciate it. It's it's always interesting when uh, when we have a caller from the general location of where we are based out of. So maybe at some point, my friend, uh, we could uh, I don't know take a little tour over the Winfield uh, haunted areas that you've seen. Let us know. That would be. Uh, be a fun little day trip over there. Uh, 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 is your, uh, is our phone number for you to call into us to share your real ghost stories. 855-853-4802. If you're not yet an EPP, we invite you to become one. Being an EPP helps support the show and keep us on the air. It's five bucks a month, or you can do 10, or you can do 15. It's completely up to you. Whatever you feel the show is worth to you. Uh, and uh, you also get an extra episode every single week. That's our way of saying thank you for helping support our show and keep us on the air. Uh, and you can become one just through our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, another uh, letter here. This one says, hey, guys, first off, this podcast is the best out there. I love a daily dose of goosebumps that I get from you all. I recommend y'all's podcast to my friends. Helps me get through a boring work day. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate that. And you guys, too, please uh, please recommend this show to your friends, especially as we get into the haunting season. Uh, hopefully we can get some more listeners out there and continue to grow the show and make it even better for you. Continuing on, my story is short and sweet. Hope that's okay. I always have believed in the supernatural and that there are things out there that can't be explained. My ghost story happened to me when I was a child. I was born and raised in a small city in East Texas. My family moved a lot whenever I was a kid, but one house that we lived in I believed was haunted. One night my brother and I were up playing a board game. When he was taking his turn, I felt the urge to look down the hall. I didn't see anything and just shrugged it off. Later again, I felt that urge again, so I looked again, and this time I couldn't believe what I saw. I saw an old woman. She was very white. She wore very old clothing, kind of like little house on the prairie clothes. She was holding a candle as a light. She was walking towards my parents' room. She stopped and looked at me. I could see her face very clearly. I didn't feel fear or anything, just that it was out of the ordinary, and I got goosebumps. After she looked at me, she continued to my parents' room and disappeared. This all felt like five minutes, but was really only probably a minute. My brother said he kept calling my name, but I don't remember hearing him. I don't know why I didn't follow her. I guess I just didn't feel a threat. Anyway, thank you for taking the time to read my story. I have a few more stories from this house. I'll write in again sometime. Thank you all for the podcast. You're welcome. And thank you for writing in and sharing your story with us. We, Like I said, we really, really, really appreciate the, that letter there, Sean. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number. Or go to the website, Real Ghost Stories Online, and you can share your story that way. Let's go to another caller. Hi, you are on the air. Hi, my name is Jill. I'm calling uh, to give you a story about a ghost hunt that I was on. I'm trying to do the abbreviated version, so I'm going to try again. 
Uh, I'm from the middle of Indiana, and I am a paranormal investigator. I've been investigating for about eight years. So I'm going to tell you a, a really abbreviated version of a time that my ghost hunt group was helping with a fundraiser for a grain mill. So during this uh, it, it, investigation is a very loose term. The grain mill was doing a fundraiser to try to help raise funds for a new roof or something like that. Our job was that at uh, during the early evening hours, the grain mill was going to run a haunted house uh, that was like a fun for kids thing. And at 10.30, it was going to switch over to, if you uh, you could make a $10 donation to the grain mill, and you could walk through with a real ghost hunt group and use their equipment and see how it's done. So that was what we were told to do. So we're taking people through. It was uh, not ideal situations at all. There were, we figured we'd have 10 people. There were a lot more intense. We ended up with um, two groups of 10 people and one group of six. So each group had two investigators except for mine. I took the six people since I didn't have another investigator to back me up. So to make a long story short, we start the investigation and I'm explaining the equipment and how we usually do things and how we would start, what sort of things we would do at the beginning of an investigation. And uh, we have lights out. It's dark. It's night. The people in my group are young. They're 18-year-olds to maybe 25 or 30-year-olds. So then um, we start, and we're doing this, and from... Way I, I'm giving a, a lecture about some piece of equipment, and I see a glow stick come flying across the room to hit in the middle of the group. Kablam! Everyone starts yelling and screaming, and I calm them down and I say, "It was this glow stick. I saw it fly across the room. Somebody's playing a joke on us, so just calm down." So to cut this story short, this happens all night. We had three glow sticks thrown at us, a pen, a ping pong ball, some other decorations that uh, came on when they weren't supposed to come on. I pulled the batteries out and they came on again, uh, which made my group freak out and scream and get really nervous and more than they expected. I was of the mindset that somebody's playing a joke on us. There are 26 people in this building. We can't control all of them. Somebody is trying to make us look like idiots. I'm really unhappy with the entire thing. I keep moving my group to different areas of the grain mill. We were on the second floor, so we have 10 people above us and 10 people below us. My group was getting hysterical. So I called to merge with another group and take us to the first floor so that I could have more investigators and we could keep an eye on everybody. We made everyone hold hands in a circle, and if anyone broke the circle at all, you should call out and turn your lights on. Because I was pretty sure somebody was doing it. Uh, as the evening progressed, the items being thrown at us got bigger. 
blocks, um, pieces of actual like historic memorabilia that were behind lines. I, I don't even know how to explain it. Large things. So and now I'm a little worried about the people, and maybe it's paranormal, but how in the world would I ever prove it? And how do I stop it? So while we're doing a light, lights off with one, one flashlight pointing at the ground, somebody says something about there's something dropping on my head. And everyone in the group says, yeah, me too. And I said, okay, I know about this. It's corn. I've been noticing it for a while. There are little kernels of corn dropping down from the ceiling. And before you freak out, it's, you know, this is a grain mill. There's corn everywhere. It's probably falling through the cracks. Uh, there could even be mice running around on the floor above us, pushing it through the floorboards. So just ignore the corn. The corn is not paranormal. And right when I say that, an entire cob of corn comes flying at us from across the room, parallel to the floor. I saw it come from the dark. So I race over there with my light to catch whoever's doing it, and there's nobody around. There's nobody who's going to tie me. Um, but there is a giant wagon full of corn. So, of course, my group is very upset. The girls are getting teary-eyed. I'm irritated. I'm trying to calm everybody down. I move them to another area. Now, where we're at, this is towards the end, there's a window to my back, and I'm using that light from the window, from the moon, to light up the area enough that I can see everybody. As one of the other investigators is talking and running them through some part of the investigation, I can feel, because I am a sensitive, but I don't tell anybody in the group that. I definitely feel something very negative and very angry rise up behind me. Now, what I'm expecting, I'm going to turn very slowly. I'm expecting to see maybe a ghost or a person looking through that window angrily at it. That's why I'm figuring I'm, so I start to turn and I'm focusing my eyes on the window, which is probably about six feet away from me. But what I see is a very, very, very big man uh, so close to me, his face is right, up, he's taller than me. I'm 5'10", he's probably six foot five. He's looming over the top of me, he's huge. All black, all shadow, this is not a human being, this is definitely a dark shadow spirit, dark entity. One of the things that has never been human. He's very close and very angry. I gasp and pull back away from him. And as I do that, he reaches out and his hand goes on my head. Very much solid. And he palms my head like a basketball. I scream like a little girl and swat at him, which of course... I don't understand this. His hand is crushing my head, but my swatting at him goes right through it. He releases me and flies by right in front of my face. One of the one other girl in the group saw it, and she said, she's hysterical. Oh, my God, did you see that? I want out of here. She's crying and shaking. The other people in the group did not see it. They only saw me scream and pull back and swat at something. 
So to calm everybody down, because now there's crying and screaming and people trying to get, you know, run to get out. I said, everyone calm down. One of the props dropped from the ceiling and fell on me and it scared me. I'm sorry I screamed. And I totally lied. <laughs> I was just trying to do crowd control. So at that point, my uh, lead, the director of our group, who had seen it, he got on the walkie-talkie and said, it's getting late, we need to round this up and end it. And I'm looking at him thinking, there's a lot about this location you didn't tell me. <laughs> He's grinning because, of course, this was a total setup, and I didn't know the place was haunted at all. I thought it was just a historic place. Uh, and it was uh, pretty crazy. The entire night was crazy. So that's my story. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks for the show. Have a good night. Thank you for calling in and sharing your story. That's freaky as hell. God, something really dark grabbing the top of your head and palming it, and then you're trying to bat it away, and there's nothing that you're hit. God. I think I would have been screaming like a little girl, too. I know I would have been. It's not I think I would have been. Gosh. Um, I, I, the, the, the only, I think, redeeming thing on, on that story, I mean, uh, as far as being a good thing in that story, is the fact that this was not going on uh, within your home or, or a place that you commonly have to reside to like a workplace or something of that nature. At least it was some place where you can only visit by choice, at least. Let's hope whatever that was stayed right there. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in. 855-853-4802. Tim writes in, back in 2006, me and my brother used to work on haunted house tours in our hometown every October after school. And we occasionally would go ghost hunting around Ohio and West Virginia. You can Google the tours uh, online if you are interested. Um, uh, I believe in 2007, a haunted tour guide website named uh, the tour the best one in America. Anyway... Uh, about my story is that uh, I have uh, not seen a ghost nor had a paranormal encounter, though my brother had some encounters that he claims, but I'm going to focus on my story. One night, my brother and I were walking down a street called Quincy Hill. Everyone in town knows that it's being haunted uh, as uh, there's a big bloody history of the Civil War, uh, what occurred there, but I never really felt anything there. But one night, my brother and I wanted to see if we could get something on film. And as we were walking down the hill, I swear I felt someone tapping me on the shoulder. It tapped me about two or three times before I turned around quickly to see who was there, but there was no one in sight. Keep in mind, the hill had houses all up and down. It was about three in the morning when this happened. No one was uh, around. It was pitch black. So I'm pretty sure that was a ghost trying to get my attention for something. One more thing. Shortly after my grandfather passed away, my grandmother said she saw him sitting in a cross-legged position and sitting across from him in their house. She said that he looked upset with her as if to tell her uh, that things would be fine. Okay, that doesn't make any sense, but continuing on. Later that year... It means later that year. My uncle passed away suddenly, and my grandfather said that he had seen him standing in front of her in the laundry room. She said he was in a suite and looked like he was in his 20s again. 
That's good. He was in his 70s when he died. Well, my grand, after my grandfather died, I wanted to contact him, so I used my recorder and set it next to his favorite chair and asked him to leave a message for me on the device. I was running for 30 minutes alone, and I later listened to it and heard my Uncle Bob, who lives with my grandma, who's also mentally handicapped. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything talking to himself as he was passing through the room when I heard my grandfather's voice yell out, Hey, Bob! I don't care what anyone says. I know what my grandpa's voice sounds like. Over the years I spent at my grandparents' house, my grandfather always worked with my Uncle Bob and almost always I heard my grandpa yell out for my uncle. It was the only thing that was recorded. It sounds like it's coming from the other room but very far away. But at the same time, very close. Uh, here's a link to my EVP on YouTube. Ooh, he's got it on YouTube. Okay. Well, hang on one second here. Kids, I didn't realize that was part of the letter. Let me pull that up and hear what we hear. Hopefully there's no ad. Okay, here we go. Okay, I kind of heard that. Let me turn our music off here for a second. Let's play it one more time. I think it's towards the end. If I'm uh, not, if I'm hearing this correctly, I'm listening for "Hey Bob." I could kind of get that at the end there. I really. I- Hey, Bob. Yep, I heard it right there. That's a fairly clear EVP. In fact, that's a very clear EVP. Thanks for, um, thank you for sharing that with us. We really appreciate you running in and sharing that story. It's interesting. I wonder if, if your grandpa is, you know, communicating with your, your handicapped uh, uncle, um, you know, as, as a still trying to be a guide and a comfort, because I could see that being, you know, very uh, disturbing thing to anyone, but especially someone with special needs, uh, if that person has been you know, such a strong figure in their life for so long and suddenly they're gone, that could be even more difficult to handle and, and fully, you know, understand. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Jenny Bruski will be back with us again uh, on tomorrow's episode, so don't worry about that. She's not going away at all. Thank goodness. And I miss her here. I'm sorry. It's When I'm rambling, it's good to have someone to, to bounce ideas off of. Let's go to another call. Hi. Hi, Tony. This is Robert. I had called uh, Robert from California. I had called before and mentioned that I had a story about the Queen Mary. I just got done hearing your episode um, about the Queen Mary and realized I hadn't called you back. So let me tell you the story about the Queen Mary. Uh, My wife and I, when we were married, we stayed on the Queen Mary for our honeymoon, um, and we decided to take the ghost tour. Uh, When we took the tour, um, we were, before the tour, they allowed us to walk around the ship, uh, kind of wander around, just take a look at things. Uh, my wife and I were walking, and we got to one certain point uh, down um, in the ship, and uh, we went down to some little stairs into a little area, and suddenly we both stopped. And we both stopped because we could just feel that there's a presence or something was uh, very making us very, very uneasy. And uh, we didn't really, didn't really know exactly what. We just did not feel good. We knew we didn't need to go that way. So we turned around and went back. 
Uh, later, we went on the tour, and as we went on the tour, right in that spot where we had those feelings, uh, we learned that somebody had died there, that um, the man had been shut in one of the doors during an emergency uh, run and had had died. So uh, my wife and I were kind of creeped out by that, but um, yeah, nothing too much. It wasn't until after that that we went up to the top of the ship and my wife decided to tell me a story about when she was there younger with her family that um, she actually was was up at one of the restaurants up at the top of the ship and um, she uh, she saw a lady who was in um, period garments and she she looked like somebody for the time period and she thought, oh, wow, that's really kind of cool, a, you know, dressed up character for an old ship. Uh, she pointed out to her brother and then pointed out to her father and they both saw it. And then as... Um, the the person turned and walked kind of towards them they realized that she walked through uh, her stepmother um, the only person who didn't see it was her stepmother I kind of thought she was just joking with me but I talked to her father and her brother and they both still to this day will say yes we saw a person who walked through my mother or her stepmother and then disappeared who was in the, the period um, the, the garments for that type of period so, needless to say, I am a firm believer that the Queen Mary is definitely, definitely a haunted ship. Uh, like I said, we have stayed there. Um, we've stayed there a couple of times. So, Jenny, you really don't need to worry. Um, we've never had anything happen to us in any of the rooms, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> we've, we've always had a wonderful night's sleep, and the place is unbelievably beautiful. So, if you get a chance, do go check out the Queen Mary, and uh, hopefully you have as good of an experience as we did. Bye. Thank you for calling in and thank you for sharing that story. I would love to go on that uh, that ship sometime uh, and and experience uh, a, a maybe a ghostly encounter or something of that nature. I remember the exact story you're talking about in that part of the ship from an old Unsolved Mysteries episode in the 80s where Robert Stack was on board the ship. And I think they took a lot of their, their shots for that show on the deck and there was he was in the trench coat they had a fog machine going it was great <laughs> it, was, it was just so creepy but uh, that story was uh there was uh, apparently a maintenance worker and they were they were checking some of the watertight doors in the hull of the ship and uh it's like a scene from you know a horror movie or you know titanic essentially I think there was a scene in titanic like that where somebody tried to jump through one of the watertight doors as they were shutting and keep in mind, the watertight doors are not like a garage door where there's a sensor, oh, there's someone in the way. Uh, it'll go back up. Or an elevator door. No, it shuts, whether you're there or not. And it's, you know, tons and tons of steel and whatever is in between that door and the ground. Uh, well, it's not going to be there anymore. And I believe that's what happened to a gentleman uh, that was trying to get through a door. Uh, when there was not enough time, essentially sliced in half and killed right there on the boat. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of an EVP. I had never heard of, of such a concept before. And what they did on that episode of Unsolved Mysteries, keep in mind this is 1988 or 89, they took the old crude tape recorder, you know, the rectangle ones, if you're old enough to remember those things, Put the one cassette deck in. It's like you had in, in class, in school, you know, if you attended school in the 80s or 90s. 
And uh, they set it up and they recorded what sounded like some screams uh, coming from that part of the ship's hull. And there's nobody down there. This is just the hull of the ship. There's nothing, you know, made up nice about it. It's metal on metal. And it was creepy as hell, especially to like an eight-year-old who was watching it, the eight-year-old version of me. It was one of those first stories that I heard about that really got me interested in the more real side of the paranormal beyond just ghostbusters, if you will. So thank you for the call. Thank you for the story. I would uh, love to hear more uh, more from you. We got a letter in the other day, uh, and we'll talk about this other letter. Uh, I'll show it to you. Uh, uh, on, a, on a future episode. I want Jenny to see it uh, on a future episode, but a, a very odd picture from the Queen Mary. A very, I guess you could say, unconventional ghost photo. Not an orb, not uh, like a cloud or what appears to be an apparition, but just a really strange photo. Um, very hard to decipher what's in it, um, but taken on the ship. And we'll talk about that, and I'll, I'll tell you when it's up so you can see it, too. So be be uh, tuning into a future episode for more info on that one. But since we brought up Queen Mary the other day, it feels like uh, a lot of folks are coming in out of the woodwork with the Queen Mary stories, which is great, because I love a good ghost story on a haunted ship. You can't get any better than that. 855-853-4802 is my phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's uh, Let's go to a letter here. This comes to us from Stephen. Stephen writes, and I've debated on sharing my story for some time. First off, I'm an ordained minister and work at a hospice uh, as a chaplain full-time. Prior to working in hospice, I worked at a plastics company. And the two men that owned the company were just horrible men. Just very, very, very bad people. Perhaps the meanest I've ever met. After much ridicule and harassment from them, I went from praying for them uh, to harboring hateful feelings towards them, which is contrary to my faith, and opened the door for some true evil entities to enter my home. Uh, The practice of uh, walking and praying around my house outside at night because it's quiet. I started noticing a certain spot that made me sick any time I approached it directly outside my window of my room. Then one night, I was asleep on the couch. My wife would usually come wake me to get me into bed. This night, I was awoken by something else. I heard what sounded like the chatter of hundreds of people talking at the same time. When I opened my eyes, there was a white-faced demon floating directly above me, about two feet. It had pitch black robes that flowed as if it were alive and fiery orangey eyes. In a second, it appeared to be snatched out of the room as if I wasn't supposed to see this thing speaking to me while I slept. A few nights later, I foolishly fell asleep on the couch again, only to have the shock of my life. I awoke, having a sickening, uh, having a sickening feeling in my stomach, to find that I was completely paralyzed. I could only move my eyeballs to scan the room. I couldn't speak or hardly even breathe. Then a weight like that of a small car slowly descended on my body, resulting in the wooden frame of the couch buckling, creaking, and even snapping. I could see my body shrinking in the couch with the cushions up above my body. Then a velvety black mist assumed the form of a man over the back of the couch. It put its arm across my chest, throat region, and was as solid as you and I. It pressed its face right against mine in a taunting manner. The worst aspect of the incident was the fact that this thing exuded pure hate, evil, and wickedness, and hopelessness. 
which was the source of my feeling sick and violently ill. Then it was all over and I fell off the couch and ran and fell down the hall a few times because my knees were shaking from fear. Later, I had an experience with God that empowered me to cast these things out of my house, for lack of a better term. I wondered how this could happen to me. I let my guard down by harboring bitterness towards this man and opened the door right up. I later discovered that this man had a teenage son that took his own life after school one day because his dad was riding him constantly and uh, treating him harshly. I got an instant understanding that the spirit that attacked me is, is the same one that torments this man every day of his life. No wonder he would. I had a newfound sympathy for him due to the fact that I had a newborn baby boy and couldn't imagine having to endure such horror. Keep up the good work, friends. I love the show and listen every night while going to sleep. P.S. I've heard that The Conjuring 2 will be about the Enfield haunting. Have you considered covering that story? Blessings to you. Interesting. Um, I, the the Conjuring Two actually uh, is the Annabelle story. Um, unfortunately, that's where that direction went. But it would be interesting if it was that that other haunting case. Um, and, and on a side note, I believe Stephen actually called that story in, and it was played back on an EPP episode. I believe it was our first EPP episode. Um, cause it's very similar in nature to, um, a story that we had, uh, from a caller. So if you want to, to hear him tell the story, which takes that to a whole other level, uh, I believe that's EPP episode one. Uh, of course you do need to be an EPP to get that episode, but we send those out every single week along with links to the back episodes. Um, it's episode one or two, I believe at least it's a very similar story to it. So thank you for the call or thank you for the letter. Rather, we greatly, greatly appreciate you sharing your story with us here at real ghost stories online. Let's go to another caller at uh, 855-853-4802. Hey, Tony and Jenny, this is Ren from Portland, Oregon. I'm calling. <clears throat> I'm sorry. If it's kind of loud. I, uh, I had to run down on my break to tell you the story, um, uh, before I forgot to, and I'm trying to time my story in between trains passing by. But I know the streets can get kind of loud. But anyway, hopefully you can hear me. Um, I'm calling because I just recently, just now, heard the story about the caller that had seen, like, an apparition of, like, a white dog or something. And I had a similar story. And uh, I was wondering if any of the community can maybe Cisco or anybody else educated in like uh, Native American history or lore can chime in with what I possibly saw and its uh, possible ramifications and uh, meaning <clears throat> because this whole area, as many people know, uh, had a very huge Native American population uh, or presence before it was settled. And um, I think my story uh, is tied into that history somehow. But anyway, uh, I work a second job at night delivering papers. My route, one of my routes, is in an area called Multnomah Village in Portland. It's one of the oldest communities in Portland, uh, or one of the oldest settlements or whatever, I've been told. Uh, I'm not from here, so I'm just uh, going on what people tell me. But anyway, I have a apartment complex on that route, and... Um, I was delivering papers, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw movement. And there's this big parking lot for that uh, apartment complex where I parked my car. And it's kind of like parking on both sides, and there's this big middle area where cars can reverse out into. And that area is usually empty except for my car. Anyway, I turned around, and I saw 
what I uh, I know to be a white wolf. I mean, it was pure white. And I'm I used to live in upstate New York, and I used to be a hunter. I've seen coyotes. I've seen wolves. I've seen big dogs. I know the difference between dogs and coyotes and wolves. This was a a wolf, a big freaking wolf, and it was pure white. I mean, like, and it wasn't translucent or anything. It was solid, like a real thing. And um, I saw it, and I was like, "What the hell? Whose dog is this?" Um, you know, because at first my implication, my my first thought was it was a dog, because you know it can't possibly be a wolf out here. There's no wolves out here, and uh, so that was my instinctual mind. And then when I turned my head, I literally turned it just fast enough to throw a paper down a hallway, which was literally like half a second maybe. And then the half a second, I was like, nope, that's a wolf. And I turned back around, and then the half a second, it was gone. And there was literally no um, where for it to run to in that half a second where I couldn't have seen it. And then I spent the next 20 minutes going around each apartment area, going up and down the hallways, to see, you know, if it ran somewhere or whatnot, and it was nowhere to be seen. And I did some slight research on it when I got home about white wolves and, uh, you know, and all that crap. And there are a whole, I heard a whole bunch or read a whole bunch of uh, varying um, explanations. So I don't know if that meant anything or or whatnot. And I know it's not your traditional ghost story, and I have a list of other ghost stories. <clears throat> that uh, I wanted to tell first, but like I said, that one jumped out at me because I just heard the little story about the white dog. And uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that might know what that's about. Um, I did write in a story about like a possible shape-shifting demon from the Philippines. I haven't heard it read yet, but I'll be calling back with other stories if you're interested. And I uh, was hoping I could get help on that. Alrighty, uh Thanks a lot, Jan and Tony, for all you do. We love the podcast, and uh, hopefully you heard this message. Anyway, have a great rest of the, the day or whatever, and I'll be calling back again soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for calling and sharing your story and for all your commenting uh, out there on the forums and on YouTube. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Now let's open it up to the community. What do you guys think that was that he was describing uh, in those events, in that story. You can comment up there on the forum section, on our website, or YouTube, or just right underneath the episode. Plenty of places to weigh in on that. Um, it'll be great to get some insight for you um, from uh, from the community. 855-853-4802 is our phone number to call in. 855-853-4802. And this I have to play for you. I uh, We played it on the EPP broadcast um, the other week uh, when we got it in from David, and I, I, I unfortunately have not had a chance to play it back on a regular episode yet, so I want to play this for the entire community because that's who this is for. David is a, the gentleman who created a, a theme song for us, and he created the a little little hook of it a couple weeks back. We played it on the show, and then he sat down and he uh, created a full-length uh, version of the song and uh, here it is for you we're going to wrap up the show today with this version of it this is the full length version of the song that he created for us here at Real Ghost Stories Online so let me kill the creepy music and play his song this is uh, from our friend uh, David Barnes everybody a listener of Real Ghost Stories Online here's his song for us one 
Barnes, everybody. Thank you so much for creating that theme song for us and putting all the time and effort into that. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right. If you're not an EPP yet, please become one. Our EPPs actually got to hear that song first. Right when we got it, we played it because we just happened to have been recording that episode that day. But uh, uh, a lot of great extras there, including, like I said, the bonus episode that the EPPs get. It's five bucks a month, and that uh, all goes to support the show and keep us on the air covering our hard costs that continue to go up every single month, believe it or not. The more people that listen to the show, the more expensive it gets to make it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so bandwidth, all that stuff, it ain't cheap. So uh, please, uh, please do your part to support the show if you enjoy to become an EPP through our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. For Jenny Bruski, who will be back again tomorrow night, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.